welcome to Food, Views, and Big Ideas. I'm Tonya Barr. And I'm Lucy Allen, and this is the podcast from us here at Straight to the Source. In this podcast, we will be introducing you to the people who are driving our food and hospitality industry forward, whether it be on the land, in the water, in the kitchen, or from the boardroom. Each of our guests are playing a significant role in the evolution of Australia's food identity and culture, and we want you to know who they are, their views, and their big ideas. Hi, I'm Tanya. We all know what a sliding doors moment is, and that's how our two guests today, Wayne Biles, Managing Director of Unox Australia, and Key Account Manager Sean Cunnington, came to be where they are. These two are chefs, and even though they no longer cook professionally, they spend a heck of a lot of time in commercial kitchens. And today, we're going to find out why. It's wonderful to have you guys in here, so thanks for coming in. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, Tanya. So, Wayne, you're the Managing Director of Unox Australia? That's correct, yes. You've been in the industry a long time? Somewhat. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have to tell your age, but how long have you been in the industry? Um, I started as a pastry chef at uh, 16 years old, so I'm approaching 44 years, or in fact, uh, exceeding 44 years, if you like. So, uh, yeah, I was a career patissiere in, in Queensland, and uh, after I, I did very well. I enjoyed it, really loved the creative uh, side of it. I became a decorator, which was my passion and and uh, something that I enjoyed more so because I also worked out that it meant that I didn't have to start at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. It was uh, more of a seven till three, four guy, which worked much better for me. <laughs> Are you trying to say you valued your sleep in? <laughs> uh, I just wasn't great at waking up. <laughs> so that kind of work, though, is very, um, very detailed. Are you a detailed kind of guy? I'm, some would say, and probably Sean would agree that I'm particularly detailed in observation about our um, our brand awareness in particular in our business, but I'm also detailed in many other things. I I, I like uh, I like to th- make sure that things are precise, neat, but without being overly anal about everything. Because I I also try to um, uh, cast that upon people so that they bring that to their own lives as well because we have a, a very strong ethic around that and our business. Uh, if you went to our factory, you would see how detailed it is. And uh, it's for me, it's very important because I see things. Um, I walked into a business uh, a week ago to have a meeting with a gentleman and they, they weren't open at the time and it's a very large um uh, retail, uh, retail store here in Melbourne with the launch of that's getting involved with the launch of our new Casa product. And so went to have a meeting with him, went through the back of the building and in through the warehouse. And I stopped and I asked the gentleman who had a, a bright orange vest on, is this your department here? And he goes, yeah, yeah I'm Terry. And I run the, the warehouse here. And I said, well, mate, congratulations, because this is incredibly neat. There's nothing on the floor. I could eat from the floor. Everything is in its place. It looks like when you go home, everything goes back where it belongs. When we walked through and into their sales meeting, the owner of that business 
said, before we start, guys, I've got to congratulate Terry because a complete stranger just walked in here and picked the one thing that I love about this guy. Uh, and it was the detail. And it, they congratulated and all gave him a round of applause, which told me a lot about that particular gentleman and how he appreciates his staff because, for me, people are what our business is. So for me, it was very nice to see him acknowledge somebody who obviously works very hard and takes a lot of pride in what they do. And that was just a detail-orientated situation, if you like. So the hospitality industry, whether it's the food side or the commercial equipment side, it's it's all made up of dynamic people and dynamic personalities, and and it's interesting how you you do find your tribe, you do find like minded people tend to migrate together, and starting out as a as a young chef as you were, and then Sean, you were a chef as well, but in England, is that right? Yes, that's where I started my career as a chef over in the UK. And at what age? So um, when I was 14, I started working part-time at a, at a, at a restaurant. Who, um, they actually gave me an opportunity to do my work experience there, and I did a little bit of work in the kitchen and, and front of house, and that was my first taste of the industry. Um, so, yeah, when I left school, I ended up working with those guys full-time. Um, it was for uh, Beef Eater Steakhouse, which was uh, part of the Whitbread Group, the huge hotel group over in, um, over in the U.K., um, and then I worked with those those guys for a few years, and I had an opportunity, opportunity to move down to, to London and um, worked at a, a restaurant in London where I met people from all around the world. And I got particularly um, friendly with a couple of Aussies. And after about a year of um, working with those guys and, and running around running amok around London, uh, they were coming back to to Australia. That doesn't and, sound like you, Sean. <laughs> and they put, a, they, they put the idea in my head that I should come, come over here for a working holiday. So, yeah, I, you know, 22 years old, um, and I found myself on the plane to the other side of the world and uh, haven't looked back. Those guys were from Sydney, they, they lived in Cronulla. Um, so that's where I started my Australian journey. Not a bad place to start, right next to the beach. And then I ended up working for, a, uh, for, for one of the local restaurants. But actually, it wasn't local uh, the one that I worked at, but the one that I went to apply for the job was um, again. It was a it was like a steak and seafood restaurant. Um, I had a lot of experience, uh, obviously from my from my time in the UK, um, and uh, yeah, I was fortunate to get a job with those guys, um, and then they sponsored me to stay in Australia. Wayne, back to you. So now, how did you go from being back a house to not where you are today? But what happened in between? I worked. I, I was cooking in Brisbane and uh, working at a number of different uh, patissier, uh, patisseries, and I worked at the Albion Park uh, trotting track as a as a, a bulk patissier. My, my, through my apprenticeship, I was a high level producer. We were we were a bulk producer, so I could get things done reasonably fast, and I could do high quality product in on mass. So when I uh, worked for a restaurant uh, at the Albion Park trotting track, we had a buffet situation. We'd do a 1,000 people every Saturday uh, and 700 on Thursday nights and then every, or Wednesday night, I think, but every other night or day we were doing numbers of 500. So it was pretty uh, fast-paced. Then I wanted to move into it. I felt I could sell to people or I could talk to people about their needs so I took a job with a company that had just started called Chef Clothing Revival. 
Now, those two boys that started that company were two chefs from Noosa, and I'm still in touch with both of them to today. In fact, I bumped into one of them at a bar in Milan 17 years after the fact and didn't even recognise each other, but it was a wonderful moment, the moment of realisation of who we were and that I was their first rep they'd ever uh, employed, and they'd gone on to sell their business to an uh, American company for a large amount of money and still down-to-earth great guys. So anyway, after that, um, I came to a show in Melbourne and did a show with them at the old exhibition building in Carlton, and I just fell in love with the place and thought, this is really great. Then we went. I went skiing at Falls Creek, and I went home, and at the time I was just married, I think, and I said to my wife, we're going to go. Let's move south. Let's find a way to get to Melbourne because somebody turned the lights on. Mm. That's how it felt compared to Brisbane back then, which was 31 years ago. So it was kind of sleepier and Expo had been on and all this. So there was a bit more happening, but not like it is now. And so we came to – I managed to – have um what happened was uh, chef clothing revival was selling their equip they'd started to sell their clothing to Alsco linen service american linen mm-hmm. tonya as you would know them <laughs> i do know them well yes and uh so they needed a hospitality rep and i wanted to come to melbourne so we between myself and the guys at um chef revival we convinced alsco that they should take me in melbourne and i we all moved we split the cost so we could afford it and mm-hmm. off we went with a three-month-old baby called zach who you now know yes. and um off we went to uh, melbourne and i started uh my sales career selling garments uh and uh laundry services to the hospitality industry so i main i was still in the industry which i loved and i knew my way around it and uh, then I was there for about three and a half years and doing really well in the middle of what was the recession we had to have. And uh, they sort of didn't support me on a couple of things. And I had a little business where I was making cheesecakes for wholesale, subletting a pizza shop, which happened to be on the other side of town, which wasn't so smart. Um, and then overnight, I decided I'd buy the pizza shop, resign, and I was going to do something completely different and for myself. Hang on. You had a cheesecake side hustle? <laughs> yep. Is that what you're telling yeah. me? Called the Cheesecake <laughs> Connection, actually. Oh. And we made wholesale cakes. And uh, when I took over the pizza shop, I put them in the fridge and put little 200-gram GenFAC containers of these beautiful little cheesecake, all cold set. It was a really simple, basic recipe, one product, then developed into six a range of six flavors. So it was quite a, a really high-quality product, though, beautiful, actually. Um, and I still get asked about it when I see people. But um, I, we used to put them in the fridge at the pizza shop, and when we'd make a mistake with someone's pizza or late delivery, we'd throw a couple of cheesecakes in. <laughs> And cheesecake sales went through the roof. Like I was, what a great idea! I was selling hundreds of these damn things every week. People would ring up to order a pizza, and they'd go, "Oh, no, I don't want a pizza. I just want some cheesecakes delivered." They know you got to buy a pizza. Yeah, no, no, the delivery of the cheesecakes was so much simpler, Tonya. (laughs) Would you say, Wayne, that that was your turning moment in terms of being a business owner? A hundred percent. That was where I learned a lot about business. I, I, I learned a lot about people because I already had people skills, but then I had them in my face. 
mm-hmm. every day, and they were coming to us for a reason. We made really good product. I was very proud of what we did, but we made no money because we didn't really. Well, what we did, the mistake was we made pizza that we would want to eat, and that's, you know what it's like you, when you make product at home for yourself. Extra it's, pepperoni, extra cheese. It's got it, every, extra everything, sure. <laughs> uh, extra love, care, and that. And so I learned from that that there was a lot to be, a lot that you could do. Um, how you looked after your people was really important because we had people that worked for us for the 10 years that we were there. And and that's in that industry, you know what the turnovers like in in takeaway. Mm-hmm. And we kept people, and they were just great. And they, when I sold the business, they actually left the next week. They just went, oh no, we were only doing this for love. We weren't doing it for money for ten and, years. Ah, uh, some of them, yeah. One guy's still a very good friend of mine, and it was all about. He worked two hours on a Sunday night. That was it. So that brings us back to the culture, doesn't it? It's the culture of the environment in which you're spending your time. So, Sean, when we talk about cultures, what were you looking for? Originally, it was just for um, a 12-month stint, you know, a working holiday. That's how long my visa was for. Um, But when I started working for these guys, I saw there was an opportunity to change a few things that would help the business. Um, so I did those things and they, they were suitably impressed and they came to me with, with my sponsorship, um, which I wasn't sure what it, what it meant until I had a proper look into it and went to, went to get my visa and realized it was for four years. So, um, you know, I, I was, I was pretty happy with the opportunity and I thought, look, I'm here, let's put my, you know, my head, my head down and, and, and make the most of the opportunity. Uh, and I, I ended up becoming their executive chef. They had 20 restaurants in, in Sydney. So I started in, you know, back of house. So I was also, you know, similar to Wayne a little bit, you know, building teams and, and mentoring. And that's where I, that's where I learned to become more of a, a leader. And I realized if we lead people rather than managing them, um, you know, you, you're creating this culture and this team and this, this like family, if you like. Um, and it was great to watch people coming through and learning new skills. Um, so after after a few years, my 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 um, my visa ran out, and they automatically renewed it for another four years. And then I had an opportunity to come front of house. So they had a they had a gentleman that managed the North Sydney um, restaurant, and the rest of them were sort of in the suburbs. So the North Sydney site was a bit more corporate clientele. Um, and and the the gentleman there, Maurice, he'd been the manager for twenty years, uh, and he was retiring. So they said to him, Maurice, who should we put as your predecessor? And he said, um, I think Sean would be a good choice because he's he's, he's he's got a great uh, persona. Um, he can he can relate to all types of different people. Um, but you know, I was I was I was managing the kitchen, so I was the executive chef. So it's a a big move for them. But they approached me and said, look, this is our idea. We want to bring you. Um, front of house and and teach you the you know the, the the managerial side of the business, which was you know a great opportunity. So I said, look, you know, um, let's give it a give it a go for three months, and if you're happy with what I'm doing, then you know we'll see where it takes us. So then I ended up managing a lot of their restaurants, and then unfortunately they went into administration. But you know my relationships with the senior management, you know, I'll, they kept picking me to go and help them at different businesses, and I ended up working at some. Very big function centres, but again, that were, I'd transitioned to front of house. Then, you know, I'd, 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 I'd been out the kitchens for quite some some time. 
The, the next job that I managed to get was at the Art Gallery of New South Wales as the operations manager. So I was responsible for, for the food outlets, the cafe, the, the restaurant, and also all of the events, um, which was a great job, but it was super challenging long hours so i used to work from sort of midday till four o'clock some some sometimes working on the weekends you know i had a um you know a young family jackson was a, was was still quite young then and i wanted to try and you know become more like senior management where it's more monday to friday if you like so you know i was pushing to get this Monday to Friday job, and, and and then the position became available, which they gave me in the beginning, but then they reneged on it because I'd done so well. The client that they that they uh, was doing the catering for, they sort of said that like, we want to keep Sean operational, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. we don't want to, you know, he's done such a good job to lift the standard since he's been here. We're just worried that they'll go back to the way they were before he came. Sometimes that's a problem, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. So I was a bit of a <laughs> victim of my too own Too good hard at your work. job, <laughs> you know. It's hard um, sometimes to be moved around with an organisation. Would you agree with that, Wayne? Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Because when I went to sell my pizza business, one of the people, one of the things I realised, and the people that were smart that looked to buy it realised that we don't made the mistake about making the business all about ourselves, mm. and we were too. Yeah. Too involved because it's your business and it's your heart and soul. I get it. But at the same time, um, you've got to divest yourself in some ways to be able to move on. And it was a real problem. Well, it's a fact that a sign of a good business is that, is that it can operate without you. Yeah. Exactly. And we have that now. We, we, in this business, we've had that for some time, mm. and even more so now with um, with people like Sean and and Zach and 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 the management team taking uh, further steps where where we can step out. I think what's interesting is we're all chefs, right? And here we are. It's like you have constant sliding door moments throughout your life. And at, you know, at one point, and there's different points in our career where we reflect back and go, how did I get here? And oh, I see how I got here because I made that decision or I went to go work at that venue or I sold that business and I didn't keep the pizza shop for 30 years, which you could have done. Could have easily done and been stupid and I wouldn't have a wife and family now. Well, and we probably wouldn't all be sitting here enjoying our morning no, together. <laughs> we definitely, definitely would not be. So, what so. actually? Can I ask you, Wayne, first, and then I'll flip to you, Sean? What actually drives you today? Uh, personally, uh, I was given a great opportunity to do this, and I'm particularly proud of what we've achieved. Uh, as um, our friend Sam Burke who has a great way of um, uh, coining phrases for people. Um, he called us the interrupters. Right. We interrupted the industry as it was. And and for me, that just meant that the hard work and the dedication and, and uh, passion that we put into our business and based on our product and what we were, what we were selling, but the belief of that and then building this group of people, that's what, drives me. I'm I'm driven by the success of the people around me. And that's the most important thing is if I can create a lifestyle and happiness and a, and a way of life uh, for our people, then th- their lives go on and, and, and become more ingrained with what we believe in. They have the same philosophy. And we've had people for a long time. Mm. So Wayne, how did Unox Australia come about? 
I um I was very fortunate, um, and you talked about sliding door moments. Mm-hmm. And for me, uh, I I remember seeing a um a, an Australian cricketer. I think he was at an FSAA dinner where he talked about the day, the time that the door is open or closed, and whether you walk through it. That really resonate, resonated with me because there are many people that don't take the risk or the opportunity when it's in front of them to really say what they want or to push for something that they want and see if they can get it. So when I finished, I sold the pizza business and I was, I had a friend who had a cherry orchard. So for three months or, or for the cherry season, I was out there just picking fruit with, with nothing in my mind. It was a wonderful opportunity for me to think about what I wanted to do. And I had a bit of a break and I didn't want to go back to cooking because I, I was offered a job for money that I was earning 15 years before. So mm. it just didn't make sense to me. I saw a job advertised. There were a number of jobs that I started to apply for, one of which was for a company called RoboCoop. And as it turned out, I was offered two jobs on the same day, but not the RoboCoop one. So uh, the guy, one job that I was offered, the guy goes, I booked you a flight. You need to be in Sydney tomorrow, blah, 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 selling garments uh, for uh, overall uh, clothing company, which which was seemed okay, but uh, I don't know. Anyway, I rang the guy that interviewed me at RoboCoop and said to him that, um, look, I've just been offered two other roles, but I'd really like to work for your company. So you've, you've got about 15 minutes to offer me a job. Right. I'm really happy that I actually did that. And, and I, I don't know what made me do it, but I did really want that job because it suited me. I felt that I could be successful. So I went on to do that, and part of that was a company called FED that had the agency for Unox. And Unox was, back in those days, was a very um, simple, well-priced, but very effective machine that was easy for people to use. And I did very well selling that product under the FED brand at the time as a a product in their um, range. And then we... I met the young CEO of Unox, whose name is Nicola Michelon, who at the time was 27 years old and one of the brightest people in all of Italy with the, you know, double, triple degrees in economics and engineering and a a wonderful, um, wonderfully bright young man and, uh, but uh, no people skills, but everything else. Mm. And, we hit it off immediately because I saw uh, he saw how much work I'd been doing, etc. And we decided we were going to start a business called Unox Australia. They offered me the opportunity to to be the general manager, and a, a, a you know a portion of the business to run it, which suited me perfectly because I then had a clear goal about what I was going to do, and that was going to be to manage Unox Australia. And can I ask you this? Were you taking your experience from being a chef, from being in sales, from running a business, and then going, you know what? This is my next chapter, my next business. It feels right. It just made sense. A hundred percent. It was clear that that the product suited me. I could do it. I knew I could do it. I just needed a support mechanism around me. And then, unfortunately, what happened was that the gentleman that owned the uh, RoboCoop agency and FED at the time had a little bit of a change of mind uh, over a couple of days later, and everything fell in a heap, and it was all coming to an end. And I thought, I don't know how this is going to pan out. And anyway, I just 
sat back, let things play, and all of a sudden they breached my contract through an offer. Uh, of offer to reduce my wages, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, yeah, <laughs> it's never gonna go which down I wasn't well. real keen with, and um, and basically um, at that point the Unox uh, agreement with the agent was terminated, and we immediately set up. They offered me the opportunity to be the first branch worldwide, which was a direct factory business to the reseller market. So rather than an agency. Nicola had in his mind that we should be a business that controls the price and the margin worldwide because distributors will decide what their margin is to suit their business. What if we set it and set it the same in every market? So we tested the water here and it was really tough because we certainly didn't have the product we have now um, and the level of intelligence, et cetera, of the product, not the people, Sean. Uh, And... uh, and But then I had no structure around me, Tanya. There was no all that support and everything that existed before. I had to build it. So we went out, the three three of us. The, the first employee was some, uh, some people that I'd, I'd worked with before. They came along with me. I had a service guy. I had an office person. Um, my wife was doing the uh, finances in the back end uh, at home at night, and I employed the first person was Lewis Farrell in Queensland, who was my very first rep, and uh, he was with us for the next 13 years, and we started to build from there. Then this young man presented himself. So how did that come to be? So I was working, like I said before, at the Art Gallery of New South Wales as the operations manager. I did it for a couple of years, long hours, wanted to get back in, uh, spend a bit more time with the family. And, um, yeah, so they reneged, reneged on this, on this, um, you know, this more senior role where I could work Monday to Friday. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go try some, something different. So a good mate of mine, um, Richie, um, you know, our kids went to school together. He said, you should do sales, mate, because you should be really good at it. So I started to look at a few sales jobs that were still related to the industry. And then I saw that Unox Australia were looking for, you know, an active marketing chef in Sydney. And I thought, that's interesting. I'm going to reach out to these guys and see if I can, you know, learn a little bit more about what the opportunity is and and, and if, if I can get a crack at it. So um yeah I I managed to secure an interview with 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 Wayne um, and Lewis and Lewis yeah I didn't realize Lewis was going to be there as well at the at, at the time but it was it was you know looking back it was great Did so, they drill you did they just like no, no, throw no, no, a question it, it, that you can't say did they just look at you It was one of the most bizarre interviews I've ever had it was the longest interview I'd ever had so you know I I I said to the um to to Michelle the the office lady at the time I said like it'd be great if I could meet Wayne first thing in the morning I'd like to be his first appointment because you know I have to go to go to work and I thought like I've got a few hours up my sleeve I can go do the interview have some brunch and then go to work because it was going to be a late night so um so anyway I got to I got to the um to the venue where I was going to meet Wayne a little bit about half an hour early and I thought it's 7 30 it's early it's too early like you know I know he's just coming from 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 Melbourne so you know I still want to be early but I'll, I'll I'll wait um you know so I did I went and got a coffee had a ciggy and I waited till about five two and I rang him and um 
So, you know, the phone's ringing and, and he, he, he answered pretty much straight away. And I said, Wayne, it's Sean, I'm here. He goes, I know I'm behind you. <laughs> oh. Was he behind you the whole time? Him and Lewis, they were sitting there having their coffee and, and they hadn't quite worked it out until I started making the call and the phone's ringing. They're going, it's him, it's him. It's the guy with the suit over there. Uh, <laughs> I said to Sean, I said to Lou, I, I bet you this is the bloke here. I said, I bet that's him there. Let's just see. I'll take a bet with you, Lou. What do you reckon? <laughs> and so did you just turn around and join their table? Yeah, yeah. So we, we we sort of, you know, said good day and we took our coffees upstairs and, um, you know, Wayne and Lou did, did obviously had dinner and a few beers the night before and they were the banter was already going on and I was like, wow, these guys, you know, they, they seem very close. They're, you know, they're obviously you know, they like each other the way that they're, you know, the camaraderie. And so we sat down and we started to go through the process and I was there for, must have been three, three and a half hours. <laughs> Were you late was for work? That, no, no, no. I had plenty of time to get to work. It was the longest interview of all time. But it shows a lot because we were very comfortable and we had some really bizarre questions. And it was all a bit about learning what, how we would react because I'd never done this much before, Tonya. It was kind of new and interesting. And so I just wrote a script and thought, well, I, I'm going to put myself in this gentleman's position and what would I do? So I thought, I know what I would do. I'm going to ask him what he'd do. What were some of the questions, Wayne? A lot of them were situational uh, questions about you've gone for a training session, the oven doesn't work. What do you do? Well, you've provided me. If, you, if I've got everything I need to make the oven work, that's what I do. And that was exactly what we needed to hear because we were trying to find people that were going to build a business with us through service because one of the most important things in our business or any business is service. Can I just can I just ask a question in terms of pronunciation? I think I would hate to think that I do not pronounce it correctly, but I say Unox. I've heard it pronounced a couple of different ways. So Wayne, can you tell me the correct pronunciation for your business? Unox. Unox. Yeah. Unox Australia. Unox Australia. I am going to embed that in my brain. And my apologies all these years when I've don't said worry, you're not. Don't worry. Uh, I think it Can must you imagine be just what they're sh- saying all over the place? It's yeah. like 130 countries. And, <laughs> and you've never corrected me. <laughs> no, I look, you know. We just get used to it. I think it's an Australian thing. Everyone refers to it as Unox. Can we please talk about Unox Australia and um, what Unox offers, please? Unox makes one product. We, well, we, make, we, we do one thing. We make things hot. That's it. We specialize in the transfer of heat. And we happen to be an innovation company that happens to make ovens. That's the way I see it. Uh, we have some of the brightest people in um, Italy and other countries working for us. But in the innovation department, we, um, we have now something like in the, in the, between something like up to 90 people working on innovation alone. And, and it's an enormous um, number of people in, in departments. We just, I saw last night the appointment of a gentleman that's been with us uh, for, that I met on my first trip to Italy. And he's now head of sustainability and environmental sustainability and making sure that everything that we do from now on and even ha- and has been going on for the past, uh, probably eight or 10 years anyway, but is always with a social conscious 
and that we will always make products that are going to be sustainable and everything that we do right down to how we make the, how we pack the oven and the removal of anything that has an impact on, um, on the, uh, environment is they're working constantly towards that kind of, um, innovation. So when I look at the product that we make and how it's made, so everything is done in an on time style Toyota style manufacturing. So we don't actually hold any stock. It's built to order like a oven takeaway shop. So they uh, have uh, we have an order process where the company has ten days to produce my container each time I send the container container order, which is basically now automatically ordered from our warehouse anyway. So we don't really have to think about too much about our needs for the product because it automatically is calculated by algorithms to deliver the stock that we need to suit the market demands based on consumption. Does that limit the lead time? Oh, it shortens everything. Uh, we're, and we have a 28-day sailing period. So when COVID started to ease and uh, we were in a situation where we could um, manufacture uh, properly again or fully, a lot of companies had shortage of um raw materials and components, et cetera, and really struggled to be able to manufacture to suit the growth in the market. And because we as innovators own 96% of our manufacturing, we were able to very quickly produce to suit the demands and increase our output uh, rapidly. And in a three-month period, they went from being able to produce around 550 combi ovens to 850 combi ovens a week, which is wow. a phenomenal feat because, you know, where you've got to actually have the facility, get the equipment in there to do it. But these guys, just the, the, the level of speed and decisiveness is absolutely phenomenal. And then where you look at where we're going and the the innovation because of the engineering background of the owner of the business Enrico Franceli, who is just a, a, the most wonderful man, Sean, isn't he? He's, he's incredible. Just, uh, he's just the 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 someone who will listen to everybody's opinion, takes dissent on board, and looks at at, at dissent as a positive, and uses it to improve the business. And so when you look at, um, at our business and the way that it operates and the people that are given the, the, like we have nuclear physicists, we have some incredible brains and the innovation. Yet you can come up with an idea in a meeting because we've all sat there, Sean, haven't we? Where they'll say, anybody, what do you think about this? And we'll go, uh, well, how about? And they'll go, hmm, good idea. And then they go, maybe not such a good idea. And then six months later, they go, oh, we've got this new idea. And you go, that was yeah. mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, and then, and, and as you see the progression of our product back in the day from a, uh, analog style machine, uh, to where we are now, we are at the peak of technology and the, the, the learning. We have machines that are now learning common habits of the chef or the user of the oven. And it starts to work within the needs of that business. And automatically learning. So voice activation, uh, we can dial into an oven now remotely and appear on the screen. 
and, Isn't that and, just and do uh, uh, unbelievable because mm. imagine well, and, and there's two reasons for that. One of the reasons is to offer a level of um, support to a QSR or whoever the user is by being able to book a training session on the screen of the oven where the um, the trainer will take over the control of the oven and start, like your computer when you have a problem, some geek comes along and goes, hey, you sit back and watch me fix it. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, we actually can walk the end user through every step and have them follow us if they want and join in the process. But the other part to that is that we don't have to go to that client. We don't have to get in a car and drive and use resources. We don't have to add greenhouse gases to this process of coaching and training. We, it's a completely different um, way of considering our in, entire environment and the impact that we have because as humans – I always look at human nature and think, or humans themselves, and think, here we are, at the top of the food chain. But for the first what ten years, we're pretty useless. We, we you know, <laughs> the, we, yeah. I'll tell my kids that. Yeah, no. yeah, you know, like we can't even. Look, I watched the birth of a wildebeest, and the thing got up off the ground and ran. And I thought, you know, that's a bloody wildebeest and there's billions of those things running around, wandering around, waiting to be eaten by something. And here we are, we're born and we lay on the ground and go and cry until somebody does something for us. And Excuse me, Zach, if you're listening, your dad yeah. is not. <laughs> Get off the floor, stop crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's because that's for other reasons, Sean. He's uh, he's back in the fetal position, but that's because I'm his boss. Yeah. <laughs> so, Sean, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question? What advice would you give your younger self growing up in England? You know, what advice would you give yourself? That, um, I've I've thought about this a few times. You know, would I change? You know, what I did when I was younger, and the 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 the, the answer is absolutely not. I'd do exactly the same as as what I what I did, and I'd follow the path that I did because it's brought me to where I am today. Um, if I could give my younger self a bit of advice, it would be to you know um, to be more accepting of other people's ideas. Um, you know, just because your way works and it's successful doesn't mean that it's the way that we have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I've, I've worked that out the last few years because um, I, I did used to be a little bit full on and, and a bit pushy on, like, we have to do it this way because we got good results from this. Um, we coached him through that. Yeah, but I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm completely different. I've got a different awareness now, um, and, and, you know, for my whole career with with Unox, I've been able to grow and transition into you know a better um, <clears throat> not better person, but um, better uh, employee um, colleague. Um, you know, whatever it takes to to have the most success. You know, for our for our business. And Wayne, so, how about you? What advice would you give your younger Wayne? Calm down, uh, and. But keep your levels of energy and keep the passion. Keep believe in everything that you think you can do because yes, you can. You you can do it. It's just it just that sometimes I imagine I can only imagine how many people are out there that have not that have got so much ability but have never been given an opportunity or created an opportunity. Perhaps fear is one of the uh, fear of failure is one of the worst. Uh, human emotions because it can destroy you. Mm-hmm. 
and it can stop you from achieving your full um, uh, capabilities and, and and what you really could be capable of. Possible. We don't we don't advertise for for um, for salespeople in particular, but we we advertise for other roles, of course. But for salespeople, we don't advertise because what we tend to do is find a chef or someone with that level of skill or maybe even a cook. It doesn't really matter if they've got the basics or we can teach them as much as we can, but they have to have passion. And we interview on passion. Mm-hmm. And if someone sits here and tells me they're passionate about oven, an oven when I'm, I'm talking to them about a job, well, they're probably going to be the first person I don't speak to again mm. because, you know, you can't, bullshit me on that. The fact of the matter is that everybody has to have a passion. It could be anything, but I want to know what it is and what drives you outside. Because if if you've got that, then the, that will see you through so much, so much. And it's infectious. Thank you. And I feel the same way with the, with what we're doing with you guys and and the, and the support of your innovation and the ideas like concept to consumer and and how that's just you know starting to ramp up now. Uh, really, I think last year was a was a, a dry run. Yeah, if you like. Yeah, exactly. No, we're very excited for it. I mean, working with the top food scientists in the country and and bringing in that nutrition side, the taste sensory side, the science, innovation. You know, it's it's the full um, gamut. It, it, it yeah, it's bringing it. Yeah, it's it's basically a very very good idea. And and the way that um, if you look at Averio and our, our wonderful hot fridge. Which has now achieved global HACCP certification, the only hot holding machine worldwide, and the creation of a hot vacuum pump. We, I am still every day. I see someone in our academy here that looks at that and just goes, it, shakes their head. You can't see me because this is uh, not filmed, but I'm shaking my head <laughs> and looking surprised. <laughs> it's a wild concept because it does um, step outside everything that you're taught. With regard to food safety, it's true innovation. You know, you see other companies they're making products um, similar to what they've had before, but just a better version. And it doesn't really offer the industry anything new. When you know, you, you look at Unox and and our guys and and the technology that they're bringing to our industry in terms of the area, the hot fridge, being able to use the hot food vacuum with hot food, these things that we've never been able to do before. Um, and it's it's just going to help people in their businesses so much. It's, yeah. Agreed. The, the work that you've done alone with aged care community, Sean, is incredibly commendable. But, you know, it's not just aged care, Wayne. You know, our industry at the moment, you know, we've always had issues with staff, but now it's just it's just out of control, you know. It's so, chronic. You know, to be able to offer them a solution that helps them be more flexible and when they're cooking food and so they can control you know their, their their manpower and still produce great results. It's um yeah it, it's very pleasing, man. And so on that note, we might wrap it up. But next, you guys have a few trade shows coming up. We have food and hospitality Queensland again in October this year. We have fine food in September. Sydney in Sydney in September. We have the Metcalf show in the middle of the year. We do. We, there's nearly one a month, Tanya. 
And for the listeners out there that um, will be going to find food in September in Sydney, we will be back at the Source Kitchen. Yes. Fabulous. And we will have it kitted out with a combi and we'll have a vario and we're going to have a a tremendous program over the four days, three or four sessions each day, pushing the boundaries, bringing in really interesting speakers and also um, doing some demonstrations. And what else are we going to do? Your program was super impressive last time. Um, I can't mm. wait to see what you guys are going to do again this time. So, yeah, if you're listening, make sure you get to the Source Kitchen at, at, the, at Fine Food in Sydney because um, it's not to be missed. In our show notes, we will have the link to your guys' website, all your social channels, your email addresses. So if any chefs or restaurant tours are listening and you want to get in touch with you, Sean. Yep, reach um, out. We'll be sharing across our socials as well and everyone, as per usual, everyone will be well aware where we're going and when. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Wayne. Thank you, Sean. Um, have a great day and look forward to seeing you again very soon. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks, Tanya. It's been a great experience. Thank you very much. It's fantastic. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. We really hope you enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed the conversation. You'll find links to anything mentioned in today's chat in the show notes. We have some more extraordinary guests lined up and we would love you to join us again. So please make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. We'd also love to hear any of your feedback, good or bad, or perhaps you've got a guest you'd love to hear from. You can let us know. And the best way to stay up to date with what we're doing, who we're talking to, and where you'll find us around the country is to become part of the Straight to the Source community at straighttothesource.com.au forward slash community. Until next time.